Are you guys ready to talk about wisdom? Yeah. Amen. Um, I want you to imagine, I know this will be hard for some of you, I want you to imagine that you are the source of all wisdom and knowledge. There is nothing you do not know. You always know the best way, the most strategic plan, the smartest response, the best destination, in other words, our wives. Amen? Dudes, this is where you say amen. Gets, right, right, yeah. Now you give your older kids a cell phone and you tell them, call me anytime, day or night. If you ever need anything, I'm fully 100% available for you. Day in, day out, your children come home complaining. This went wrong. I didn't get this. I wish I had that. Can you believe Susie said? I don't even know what to do about Jimmy. And you listen for a while and in a moment of silence, you ask, why didn't you just call and ask if you needed help? I mean, after all, you are, as moms and dads, the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Another amen, right? Your son or daughter responds, I'll be fine anyways. I got advice from my friends. And in your brain, you're thinking, your friends are idiots. <laughs> I don't know too many adolescents that I will seek for profound wisdom. I am, son or daughter, the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Now, does this remind you of anyone? Now, many of you are identifying with God. FYI, that's a problem. <laughs> You're supposed to identify with the son or with the daughter. And here's the reality. You and I, if we are in Jesus Christ, you and I have regular, complete access to the source of all wisdom and knowledge. And the source of all wisdom and knowledge is chomping at the bit to dispense that to you, to give it to you. The source of all wisdom and knowledge loves you and wants you to know what is the best way to act, what is the best thing to do, what is the most strategic method to take. He is for you, and we have access to this knowledge. Now, this morning, I want to answer one simple question. Um, it's very easy, and if you can get your head around the answer to this and apply it, will change your life. Here's the question. How do I get wisdom from God? How do I get wisdom from God? So Paul in Romans chapter 11 verse 33, he's been talking about the nature of God, the character of God, and he stops and he is just blown away and he um, writes what we call a doxology. It's like a spontaneous um, uh, act of praise. And here's what he said, oh the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Oh, the depth of the wisdom, of, of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And for Paul, the wisdom of God, the riches of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God is like this enormous treasure chest that you have access to and you could spend the rest of your life digging through it and accessing the riches inside of it and you would never exhaust the wealth of the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And, and as Paul looks at God's plans and God's character and God's nature, he steps back and he's blown away. Our God is the source of all wisdom and riches and understanding and knowledge. I want to review with you the definition of wisdom. Open up your notes, and if you have last week's notes, you can just copy from there. But wisdom has three necessary ingredients if it's going to be called wisdom. Number one is discernment. Discernment is simply the ability to see things as God sees it. The ability to see things as God sees it. Someone in our community group called it heavenly street, heavenly street smarts. It's the ability to kind of know and understand really what's going on, but from God's perspective. And so here's what we know that wisdom and titles are, is required to have first discernment. The second thing that wisdom must have is strategy. 
This is the ability to see the best course of action that gives God the most amount of glory. Now, in any kind of quandary or complexity that you're looking at, there are a hundred different ideas and strategies that you could have. But here is the question for the Christian. Which strategy gives God the most amount of glory? And so wisdom entails, number one, uh, discernment. And number two, it a strategy. But here's what I want you to catch. You can have number one and number two, and you can be a great counselor. You can have number one and two. You can have discernment and strategy and give incredible pastoral advice. You can be the person that all of your friends say, they are so smart, they are so understanding, they are so wise. If you have one and two, people will think you are wise. But if you do not have number three, you hear me, are a fool. According to the Bible, without number three, you might give away wisdom, but you're a fool. And here's the third one, action. Applying said discernment and strategy. If you do not live it, the Bible says you are a fool. I want to read to you James 3.13. He asked the question, who is wise and understanding among you? And many of you are thinking, I'm wise, I'm understanding. Of course, none of you are going to admit that, but many people read this and they think, I'm a fairly wise person. Compared to the people in my life, I have more wisdom, strategy, discernment than they do. But here's what he says. Here's how you know who is wise among you. By his good conduct, by the way he lives. And so for the Bible, here's what I want you to understand. We don't want you to seek God for supernatural discernment and strategy, but I want you to seek God to empower you to obey. And so when you go before God and you say, Lord, I need wisdom for the quandary that I'm in, if he gives you the discernment and strategy and you don't apply it, you, according to the Bible, are an utter fool. How many of you want to be a fool before God? Don't raise your hand. That's rhetorical. I'll just tell you, I don't want to be a fool before God, despite the fact that I raised my hand. Proverbs chapter 4, the book of Proverbs, most of which is written by Solomon. And Solomon is writing to, quote, my son. And pop quiz, who is the son of Solomon who will be king after him? Rehoboam, good answer. Uh, Yeah, most of you are like, Rehoboam what? Rehoboam. And he is the son who is going to follow Solomon. Rehoboam is a fool's fool. He's an idiot. And Solomon, the wisest man who has ever or will ever live next to Jesus Christ, is raising this kid who's going to take his throne. He's an imbecile. And he's looking at him and he is pleading with him. And I want you to hear the intensity of Solomon writing Proverbs and, and what he's saying to his son. And so in Proverbs 4 verse 5, here's what he says. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Why would he have to write, do not turn away from the words of my mouth? Because the inclination of his son is to turn away from the words of his mouth. Mom and dad, have you ever like wanted to plead with your child and say, no, I am smarter than you. This is better for you. Do it, right? And then sons and daughters, we say sometimes, I got it, dad. I got it under control. And many of you are thinking, your oldest is six. You have no idea what is coming for you. I know. I know. Then he says, do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. And in one of the most redundant statements ever uttered in scripture, here's what he says. Uh, Son, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Right? Here's the beginning. The, The smart person, the wise person, the discerning, the strategic, the understanding person understands this. Goal number one, get this. If you don't go after it, you will not get it. Do you hear that? If you don't go after it, you won't get it. 
So in your notes, open up, we're going to be in point number one. We're going to look at wisdom's origin. Point number one and two, we'll go quickly, and then we'll land a little bit longer on point number three. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. We'll be there for a little bit. As you're turning, listen along, and here's the question I want to answer. From where does wisdom originate? From where does wisdom originate? 1 Kings 10, 23, it says this. Thus, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. People are coming from far and away to hear his renowned wisdom. And here's what it says. The wisdom which God had put into his mind. So over and over and over again, the Bible wants you to know something. There are incredibly wise men and women all around us. But it wants you to understand this. Who is the source of every piece of wisdom that flows from the mouth of any living being? It's God. So why would God go out of his way over and over and over to re-articulate, to reiterate the same thing? I'm going to tell you why. Because you and me are glory hogs. We love credit. I love when people tell me that I'm smarter than other people. I love when people puff me up. Don't you? Anyone else? Right? Don't you love to take credit for the things you've done, for how awesome you are, for how much money you've accumulated, for how much wisdom uh, you have, for how good of advice you give, how awesome of a counselor you are, a leader you are? I mean, don't we all love this like, sense to like, we get to steal the glory and say, yeah, I, I am kind of great, aren't I? Right? Um, and here's the deal. God knows this. And so throughout Scripture, he makes sure that we know when somebody is wealthy, where did it come from? God. When somebody is wise, where did it come from? God. He is the source of all wisdom, so that if you have any wisdom to offer anyone in any circumstance, you have it because God has dispensed it and it has flowed from him first. So if you are great at giving advice, having discernment, having strategy, counseling, ministry leadership, whatever it might be, get off our high horses. And let's remember this, everything that is wise that flows from my mouth originates with Jesus Christ. He's the source of it. He gets the credit. He gets the glory. So somebody comes to me and says, Michael, I would love advice. And it's biblical. Get counsel. But here's what I want to do. I don't want to just give them counsel. I want to draw them to the source of all wisdom, who is Jesus Christ. I want to somehow in my counsel say, okay, here are some next steps. Here's a good strategy that I think is biblical and helpful. But let's go back and let's talk about something bigger and more important. I don't want you to need to come to me all the time. I want you to first go to Jesus, and if he says, go ask someone else, then that's great. But I want you first and foremost, the first inclination of your heart is to get on your knees before the source of all wisdom, who again is chomping at the bit to give it to you lavishly and generously. Number two, wisdom's purpose. Why would God say no to a Christian's request for wisdom? I'd like to tell you a story. It is a true story, but there, you should know, there is debate about this story. It is a story about my older brother, and myself and my mother and father all remember the story the same. My older brother uh, does not remember it the same. So after I tell you my version of the story, I will read to you a text message he sent to me clarifying uh, his end of the story. But the story goes like this. In high school, he had his driver's license, and he went to my mom and dad, and he requested the following. Mom and dad, uh, I think you should buy me a Lamborghini. 
And he should have been a lawyer. My brother is so smart. He's an entrepreneur. He's always just thinking outside of the box. It's a good financial investment. It's a good kingdom investment. Like, he literally could have won a thousand people over. Like, there are many parents who would have bought their son or daughter a Lamborghini after my brother tried to coerce them into it. Now, my mom and dad are so infinitely wise, and they said, no. And he was mad. I mean, he was so upset. Now, to my brother's credit, here's what he said about this event. No. (laughs) That sounds ridiculous. I would never have seriously advocated for a Lambo. Maybe a Corvette, but that's also a stretch. Don't remember getting mad either. I think you're thinking about me wanting to take student loans to buy stocks in college. I did get mad about that. And do you know what my dad said when he said, let's take out student loans to buy stocks? No, because my dad, I, I, sometimes you've got to grow up a little bit, you know, to realize how infinite in wisdom your mom and dad are, right? I realized my mom and my dad are so smart. They said no to both awesome ideas from, from my brother. Uh, but I think to myself, why would God give wisdom to people who ask for such inane, selfish reasons or motives? Why might God say no? Because my purpose at the end of the day isn't about him, it is about me. Here are some inane ideas that I came up with that actually, you know, they're inane to us, but there are people who genuinely think like this. Lord, who should I bet on for this game? And God is thinking, you're tapping into the source of all wisdom so you can make money. Lord, what is the best way to make money from selling my crystal meth stash? Like, that's a question that people, I know, as crazy as that sounds to you, that's, Lord, which girl should I sleep with tonight? Lord, how do I invest this embezzled money? Could you imagine being God and hearing all of the crazy requests that humanity ushers up to him second by second and then fully experiencing every single one of them in your omnipotent mind so that you don't lose the motive or weight of any question ever asked to you? I mean, at some point, right, the Christian prayer for God's glory and for God's purposes must just rise up and he's like, that one. You asked not for money, not for riches, not for wealth. You asked for my purposes. And I think when God's people come to God and they want his will, they want his purposes, I think he moves heaven and earth when he hears those things. Uh, here's the, the, I think Jesus just said it um, the best, not my will, but your will be done. When we come to him and say, I want wisdom, not so that I can be the happiest I could ever be, but because I want to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I want to do something bigger than just serve myself. I want this to be about something bigger than me. If you could give me wisdom that gives me discernment to see this circumstance as you see it, and then gives me a strategy that gives you the most amount of glory, I will commit to that action. I will do that action. And here's what I think will happen. If you, you really want that, he will move heaven and earth to make sure you get it in one way or another. And if you will do it, you will be wise. You will be wise. Now, I want to read to you 1 Kings chapter 3. So if you're in 1 Kings 10, move back a few chapters. 1 Kings chapter 3. And the context here with Solomon is pretty simple. Um, two prostitutes um, came uh, to Solomon. Uh, they had two children. One died in the middle of the night. One prostitute took the dead baby, switched Um, her her dead baby, put it in another mother's arms, took that mother's dead baby, or living baby. And so the mothers wake up, and they are fighting about whose baby is the living one. Now, moms, if you have a newborn baby, do you know the difference between your newborn baby and other newborn babies? Moms, give me a yes on that one, right? You know, okay? So somebody's lying. Somehow this debacle gets to the Supreme Court of Israel, which is King Solomon, 
And King Solomon, in his infinite wisdom, um, steps back and says, cut the child in half, knowing. Um, not that he's actually going to need to do that because he knows in his wisdom because the Lord gave him discernment to see what was going on, strategy to execute the best decision. Uh, he knew that if he did this, the real mother would emerge. And he did this, and all of Israel is hearing about this. And here's what happens, 1 Kings 3.28. All Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do, say this word with me, justice. Justice. Why did God richly pour out his wisdom on Solomon? So that Solomon could use it for justice. Go forward with me, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. This is about the Queen of Sheba. The Queen of Sheba has traveled far and wide to uh, hear from the most wise human that has ever existed next to Jesus. And here's what she says, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. She said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who is delighted in you and set on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute, say it with me, justice and righteousness. And so why did God lavishly and generously pour out his wisdom in Solomon? Because Solomon was going to use it for righteousness and justice. I love this word of justice. It is to make things right that are wrong. To see the unjust exposed and punished. To see those left out included. To see those struggling encouraged. To see those unjustly enslaved free. To see God's will established. So I want to just go back to your request for wisdom. Why are you asking for wisdom? Countless are the prayers that go up to God that are me, 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 me. But when the Christian comes to God for wisdom, we want to see the world as he sees it. We want to know the best courses of action that give him the most amount of glory. And we want to commit to action, to doing that. That is wisdom. That is the kind of wisdom that God will generously and lavishly pour out on you and me. Some of you, you think to yourself, God doesn't answer my request. He says, ask, and it will be given. Here's the deal. Why are you asking? Would my dad give my brother a Lambo? <laughs> no. Would he give him or permission to take student loans out so that he could invest it in the stock market? Everybody, just give me a big no on that. That's foolishness, right? Why would God answer most of our requests when they're actually risky and in the long term for our spiritual harm? But I tell you this, if the Christian comes before God and we start thinking differently about how we pray and why we pray, and we beg God for his will and not ours, you will watch God move heaven and earth and shower you lavishly with supernatural wisdom and insight. It's amazing. Take him up on it. Number three, wisdom's availability. How do I get it? In your notes, there are seven ways here, and I want to start, um, I think, with the most basic. Come to Jesus. I want to read to you Matthew 12, 42. He's going to talk about the queen of the south, who is the queen of Sheba. He says this, The queen of the south will arise at the judgment 
with this generation and she will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. I mean, Jesus, fully aware of what the Old Testament says, that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he looks at them and he says, I want you to understand something. Something bigger and better than Solomon is in your midst. And they didn't have eyes to see it. But Jesus self-identifies as being more wise than Solomon. Now, why can he say that? Because he's not just man. He is fully God. And he is the source of all wisdom. Paul, Colossians chapter 2, here's what he says. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So again, remember Romans 11, he talks about in Christ there's uh, riches and wisdom. It's unfathomable how deep are the riches and the wisdom of God. And here he clarifies it more and he says, in Jesus are hidden, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that all wisdom, all wisdom that is to be known, all wisdom that is to be dispensed comes out of the treasure chest of Jesus Christ and that is it. If it is wise, it is because it is emerged out of from Jesus Christ, the source of all wisdom. And so he says to us, go after it. Run after Christ because in Christ is unending wisdom. It is the best wisdom. It is the smartest. There is no discernment strategy or knowledge that you could possibly want that is not bound up in Jesus Christ. He knows everything because he is the source of all knowledge and the source of all wisdom. I think some people think about this like Jesus is the wisest because he has gone around and he has found all of the wisdom there is to be found in the world, and he's stored it up, sort of like somebody who has a lot of money, like they go and they find money, um, but that's backwards. Here's what I want you to understand. If Jesus were to go look for wisdom outside of himself, he wouldn't find any, because there would be none to be found. Jesus is wisdom. He is the source of it, and so wisdom is what naturally flows from him, which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ Jesus has become to us wisdom from God. So if you want wisdom, the first thing I can tell you is, get Jesus. Come to Christ. He is wisdom. And any wisdom you might find, understand, it's a big fat arrow that points you back to Jesus and that, that he is the source. He's the source. So everything that I'm going to say from here on out, I want to just be honest with you, it's basically meaningless if you don't get this. It's meaningless. Until you come to Christ, until you trust in Jesus by faith, until you stop trying to earn your salvation, work for your salvation, be good enough for God to like you, have your good works outweigh your bad works, all the other nonsense that we try to do to earn God's love, until you stop that and you realize God is not like the abusive fathers in this world who look at you and say, I'll love you if you perform. But he is a good father. He is a loving heavenly father who has removed every obstacle that stands between you and him through Jesus Christ. The only thing that stands between you and having your sins forgiven, hope of eternal life, relationship with God, and access to infinite wisdom is your own pride and inability or lack of ability or lack of willingness to trust in Christ. That's it. There is no obstacle between you and God but you. And he will look at you and say, I've paid for your sins. I've made it so that you do not have to accrue any good works. My son did all the works for you. Will you trust me? And this is, I think, this, this is the issue for some of you in this room. You want wisdom, but you want it without the source. That's not how it works. It works like this. You come to Jesus, 
then you get access to the wisdom. And without coming to Christ, here's what you have. Worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. You have ideas that are terrible for you in the long run. You have lies. But in God is truth and knowledge and discernment and strategy. And he desires to lavishly pour it upon, hear me, his children who have come to him through faith in Christ. So now if you have trusted in Christ, if you have relinquished all of your efforts to earn your salvation, numbers two through seven, this is for you. If not, I want you to go home and I just want you to land on this. This is the one point I want you to take away. Without Jesus, you don't get his wisdom. Number two, study God's revelation of wisdom. So because God is the source of all wisdom, everything he says is true and wise and right and holy. Nothing emerges from God that has any impurity in it and whatsoever. Everything that flows out of God is light and life and joy and hope and peace and rightness. It is holiness. It is pure, okay? And so when God speaks, you have absolute confidence, right, that it is true and it is wise. And so God understands the nature of humanity, right? We forget easily. So he inspires his word to be written down, to be documented from generation to generation because it's a lot easier to forget um, oral tradition than it is to forget written tradition. So he writes it down. He has authors write this down for generations. And this is the word of God preserved through millennia for your good and for my good so that we might know the wisdom of God. So some of you go to God and you're like, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And here's what I think God would say to so many. I have already dealt with that issue in my word open it up. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, Google wisdom from the Bible on money. (laughs) And Google's this magical little tool that unravels all of this information before you in just a blink of a button. So uh, I would encourage you guys to to figure this out. Like, God has poured out his wisdom in the Bible. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, 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 Christianity 101, got it. Let me just throw the ball back into your court. If I were to take a census, a poll in this room of how many of you open up your Bibles daily to study the wisdom of God, less than 10% of you statistically are going to raise your hands as evangelical Christians. You know why that is? We're busy. We're distracted. But you tell me it's 101. Then do it. Then do it. The person who knows the right thing to do and does not do it is a fool. So let's stop being fools And let's stop saying, oh, that sermon, I already got that. I didn't learn anything. I don't care if you learn anything. I care right now if you do it. I care that if you stop being the fool and start becoming the wise person and pouring over God's word because this is the overflow of the source of all wisdom, knowledge, insight, discernment, strategy, and understanding. Now, there are some issues that we don't necessarily, like it doesn't necessarily speak, here's what I want you to do in this circumstance. Buy this home, choose this stock, go to this school. And so here's what we do. Number three, we ask Jesus for wisdom. If I were to take a poll and say, how many of you on a daily basis say, God, I need your wisdom today? majority of us wouldn't. Now, something interesting happened. Um, Two weeks ago, we preached on wisdom. And the amount of people who have asked me since then to pray that God would give them wisdom, it's been like 80% of the prayer requests that we've gotten. We were in our community group, and all of the guys in our group, we have to give one word. If you could summarize, if Jesus could help you in one word, what would that one word be? Every single one of the guys, uh, except for one, said wisdom. And it was almost as if this sermon two weeks ago um, provoked or awakened to something. Like, wow, I really do need God's insight into these 
really difficult, complex, gray issues that I'm wrestling with in life. I want to know, God, how do you see this? What is your plan? What is the best strategy that gives you the most amount of glory? Lord, would you change my heart to do whatever it takes to apply that discernment and strategy? And I was amazed. Now I want to read to you James 1.5. If any of you, speaking to Christians, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously? And again, this is the idea that God is chomping at the bit to pour it out. And he does not pour it out stingily. He pours it out in spades. And so if you come to God and you want wisdom for his purposes, will he lavish it on you? Answer, yes. The reason most don't get it is because we ask with terrible, selfish motives and we want things that will hurt us in the end. But then he goes on. He gives generously to all without reproach. And here's what that means, without mocking. You know how sometimes you go to people and you need help and you're afraid they're going to look down on you or they're going to mock you or they're going to make fun of you or give you a little snide remark? There's no reviling with Jesus. He already knows we're dumb. He made us, right? He knows that. So he loves it when we come to him and we're like, I need you. There will be no mocking. They'll be like, you didn't know that? How dumb could you be? No, he loves it. Just like we love when our kids come to us and ask us for advice. Just like we love when our friends come to us and ask us for advice, even more so, God wants to lavish out on you supernatural wisdom. Number four, prize wisdom. Proverbs 4, 8, Solomon says, Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. How does somebody prize something? Number one, like a trophy, we make it available for people to see. Uh, one of our, I think one of our challenges, this is at least my challenge, is I have, like, God will intervene and give me wisdom or help me, and I'll just walk away from it. Like, I'll do it, and I'll forget about it. I think God loves to be glorified. Does, do you get the sense that God likes to be glorified, Village Church? I mean, that's like, I think he likes when he does something for me, when I go say, can I tell you what Jesus did for me? Um, and that's part of the, that's one of the basic ways that we prize something. We hold it up and we say, look at what I just got. Look at this wisdom from God. And we share it with people. That's another way that we prize something when we hold it up and then we want to give it away so that other people can enjoy it with us. We speak highly of it, very highly of it. And then we enjoy it. We live it out and we give it away and we let other people participate in it with us. Number five, hang with the wise I know this is like so simple, <laughs> but if you hang out with fools, what will you become? A fool. a fool, right? Some of you at work, your friends, right? Your friends are fools, and you're becoming more foolish the more time you spend around them. And you convince yourself this way, but I'm discerning and I'm strategic. Yeah, but you're still a fool because you're not acting out that wisdom. And so I think one of the things that we so often do is we convince ourselves that because I'm smarter than the people I'm with, that they don't influence me negatively. And if you hang out with a fool, you'll become a, a fool. Whoever, Proverbs 13, 20, walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So who's the wise? Who are the people that you want to be your closest counselors, your closest people? Number one, those who trust Jesus. Number two, those who pray to Jesus. That sounds so silly. The amount of Christians who don't pray regularly. I don't want wisdom from you if you're not going before the source of all wisdom. Those who study scripture, those who prize wisdom, and those who apply it. 
mean, you think about it this way. It's those who basically are obsessed with Jesus and doing what he wants. Like those are the kind of people that are gonna transform you and your life will be better for being around those kind of people. Number six, John Piper, uh, I read this one from him, so I gotta give him credit. Think often of your death. Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So you, uh, if you get to know me, you'll probably learn this pretty quickly about me. I think about and talk about my death probably way too much. Um, It's a very real thing that I'm going to die sooner or later. Um, I understand that. When you do enough funerals, when you have enough friends that you love pass on, when enough people in your life get cancer or a number of other illnesses that take their life, um, you understand death is inevitable, it's imminent, it's coming. And uh, you'll hear me say this quite a bit. Um, If I die, the village church will be just fine. Because the more I ponder my death, um, the more clarity it gives to my, me to my leadership in this church. I don't want this church to be contingent on me so that if I die, um, this whole place falls apart. And so we work really hard to make it so Village Church is not built on me or anybody in the pulpit, but upon Jesus Christ. Um, people like me come and go. I will die one day or something will happen. Who knows what the Lord may do with me? I'm not hinting. I'm just saying the obvious of what should be obvious to all of you, Okay. But what I want to do is I think about my death is that makes me think more strategically and wise about how I lead. How do I lead so that I'm replaceable? So the person who comes after me can be given something better than what I received. And I want the person after him to do the same for the one that follows him. I think about um, largely because there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear about children dying in really terrible ways. I think about the death of my children often. And I think about what that would be like. And uh, when you do funerals for high school students or college students especially, uh, when you think about stillborns or miscarriages, like this is a reality of life. And so you know what happens is I ponder the shortness of my children's life, the shortness of the time they're going to be in my home. I just enjoy the moments more. I'm more strategic with them. I pray for them more. Um, I understand that the time is short and it needs to be redeemed. I think about my wife. I know after watching many people lose their husband and their wife, either her or I are going to go first, and if it's her, um, that's just on my mind. I've thought about that quite a bit. But you know what? Thinking about that gives me clarity. Uh, It reorients my priorities. It makes me more passionate and tense about the right now. And there's something really wise about this. And if you haven't caught on, Christianity is, is centered upon death. Every week we get up and celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. We talk about death to our sin. I mean, death is a part of the rhythm of what we do. But we don't ever talk about death in isolation. It's always death in light of resurrection. It's death in light of facing Jesus and being ushered into new heavens and a new earth. It's death in light of something way bigger than just death and oh no. And so I think about this life right now more than I could probably care to admit uh, in the brevity and the shortness of it, and it continually gives me perspective. And I pray you do the same thing. And I know it can be hard if you try to avoid that subject, but it's real and it's biblical. Ponder this, and as you ponder it, you'll become more wise. I want to close with this. Number seven, live it. I want to read you a couple of passages, and then we'll close. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them (laughs) in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. So does God give commands because he's bored? Anybody? No. Everything that ushers out of his mouth comes from a source of love, holiness, wisdom, truth, discernment, understanding, and strategy. There is no empty word. There's no wasted word that could come out of the mouth of God. Everything is infinitely valuable. And so when God looks at you and says, trust me, 
don't do this or do this, it, will, it is always going to be, go better for you to do it. And he's serious about it. So here's what he says. Keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom. And that will be your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes, they will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Here, here's what he's saying. If you want to be wise, don't disregard any law from God. Take them very seriously. And as you do them, you will be wise. And then people, non-Christians, people who don't know God will look at you and they will say, that is a wise person. That is a different person. The people who don't know God will look at you and they will glorify God. And what Moses wants his people to do is they go into this promised land is be fundamentally different. And as you are, you will be a bright light to a world and people will come to know God through you. Proverbs chapter two, verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom, Amen? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding, like everything, the pictures, every time God is speaking or moving, uh, it's just good stuff coming up. He stores up sound wisdom. I want you to catch this, for the upright. God is storing up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. I want you, I want you to catch what this means. Many of you will go ask God for wisdom, and he knows that he gives it to you, you will disregard him. But there are some of you who are upright. There are some of you that he knows. If you ask for it and he gives it, you will do it. And for those of you, he is storing it up, storing it up, storing it up, waiting for you to come to him. If you will commit to doing what God says, he will lavish upon you wisdom, discernment, and strategy in ways that will blow your mind. You will have clarity to the greatest of issues. You will, give, uh, uh, you will have line of sight to the most uh, difficult quandaries in your life. And God will get much glory because the advice that's going to come from God, the wisdom that will be from God, will give him lots of glory and make much of Jesus. So Village Church, my desire for you, very simply, is this, that you would seek God when you need wisdom, that he would pour out his discernment and his strategy that gives him so much glory, but that you would do it, that you would do it. And as you do this, um, God will give you more. This is kind of the principle of living it. The more you use it, the more you have. The more you do it, the more God gives it. And if you will not obey, if you will disregard the most basic avenues through which God has put in front of us to acquire wisdom, you will become more foolish. And I'll tell you that there, is, there are a few joys, there are a few things as wonderful as walking in God's way, doing what he says. I have yet to hear somebody say, I regret obeying Jesus. I've heard many a times, <laughs> I regret walking away from him, disregarding him, disobeying him. So Ville Church, this is my prayer for you, and we're going to close. I want to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to close and worship God, the source of all wisdom. Father, I love you, and um, I confess along with a whole bunch of brothers and sisters in this room that um, we have known the right things to do. We've even seen through your word the best strategies to give you the most amount of glory and we have disregarded them at times. And so God, I am so sorry. I don't want to do that. But God, I thank you in Jesus Christ. You have given us not just wisdom and understanding and discernment, but you've given us a new covenant which gives us a new heart. And so Lord, there are so many of us here who we want your discernment and strategy, but we need you to reform our hearts. So God, as we pray, will you teach us how to pray? 
Will you give us that discernment and strategy, but will you continually give us new hearts? And Lord, we confess from this day forward that all wisdom that we receive, all strategy, all discernment, all knowledge, all understanding is from the source, Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Please stand and worship.